I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the French Rookie Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT. And we're going to be joined by Irish-born, former France under-20 captain, Danny Brennan, shortly, to look ahead to what a lot of people are billing as a title decider on the opening night of the Six Nations in Marseille on Friday between France and Ireland. We'll have a chat about that one in depth, tournament in general, as well as a bit of top 14, Johnny. But you were busy enjoying yourself at the weekend, weren't you? Why'd you say it like that? What's wrong with enjoying myself, mate? <laughs> Nothing. I was, mate. It was weird in that the sun was back out. We were on the beach in t-shirts. Kids were playing in the sand and it felt like summer. Mate, I'm not going to lie. It was 20 degrees and we had a great weekend. So a mix in of watching rugby, catching up with friends, but socializing, bit of wine, bit of pizza. But mate, we're back on the beach. It's January. Good. So you're on the beach. So we won't talk too much about the top 14. We'll forgive you one week's rest. But just to touch on it briefly, it is set all the time. So tight. Second to 10th, separated by nine points. Yeah. And at the bottom as well now, Montpellier, a huge win for them at the weekend. Yes. You know, got a Leon or what in 11th. They've got 24 points. Perpignan, Oyonnax. After them, we're now 21 points and Montpellier 20th. And it was a big win for them. I think they'll be a bit frustrated, mate. They 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 left like four tries out there. They got over the trial and I think six times from counting. Mm. Um, knocked them on, held up. Um, and they're looking good. They look like they find a bit of confidence. Sir Fontaine was excellent. Dumaru back to fitness. Simmons. And yeah, they just look like a happy camp, which is good. They're playing good rugby. You can see the frustration boiling over of net not getting over the whitewash a couple of extra times and pick up a bonus point. But a win against the post side that's been flying high at the start of the competition, you know, start slowly, little steps. It's a win, it's four points bagged. They're closing the gap on Oyonnax and Perpignan, who are sort of in the visors. And yeah, all looking brighter for them. And you mentioned Sam Simmons. It was the Simmons derby, wasn't it? Both of them on the field. It was. And again, that must be pretty special. Like you think of you think of the Whitelock boys down there playing together and the sort of famous brotherhoods that we've had in the top 14 and international rugby over the years. But to have the two brothers playing against each other, having such a strong bond in the Premiership and for Exeter for so many years, um, it must be pretty cool. Um, the fact now that they're actually, you know, quite far apart logistically as well. Porto Montpellier isn't round the corner. You can't pop in for a cup of tea. So to be able to catch up, see each other's families. And then play against each other must be um, bizarre, but really nice at the same time. And what else stood out in the top 14 then? Because there were a few surprise home defeats, weren't there? Bordeaux, mm. slipping up at home against Stade Francais. Um, and that's a real leveller for them because 
like as we know, if anybody's watched them so far this season, they've been sumptuous to watch. Um, and that's a Stade Francais side that's in a bit of turmoil as well. I mean, not looking too bad in the top 14, but behind the scenes, all sorts of things coming out about Karim Ghazal, the way he's talking to players, nobody wanting to work with him. He's already said he's happy to pick up his check and leave if he gets fired. So yeah, I didn't expect Stade Francais with all that going on with their pack to go there and win. But again, a really tightly fought game. Great fun to watch. And it was Pisanti. Pisanti, the big second row, who used to play for Poe. He's got a couple of caps for France. It was him that came out the morning of the game and did a big article about what was going on behind the scenes and what he'd said and laying everything flat. So, bit of a weird one. There's been loads said and apparently Gazal is not being enjoyed at all at Stade Francais, but that's a huge win for them. I mean, nobody saw that from coming. The way Bordeaux have been going, I don't think MD saw them losing at home. So, a big win for Stade Francais. Um, and what else has been happening? Toulouse winning away from home. <laughs> In Paris against Racing, again, a side with most of their side ripped out because of Six Nations and call-ups. They still had Antoine Dupont, though. And there's maybe something to be said for not playing against Toulouse on that carpet, like the speed of ball, the offloading, yeah. Antoine Dupont menacing, Pita Aki. I mean, how good was he again? New contract. Exactly. Great way to celebrate. He was celebrating a two-, three-year extension at Toulouse. They'll be delighted to have kept him as well. Um, but the pair of them just unbelievable going forward. Both had bangers of the game bringing people in around them, offering goal forwards. Um, and yeah, Rassing, who absolutely thrashed Cardiff last weekend, slipping up at home to Toulouse. And not many people would have called that either. So some really interesting results this weekend in the top 14. And it does have a little effect on the table as well. Yeah, it's an odd one, that, isn't it? Missing all their France stars as usual, Toulouse. But not Antoine Dupont. <laughs> and lo and behold, he makes a big difference, doesn't he? He's the one guy you want to be away with. Like when you get these doubles, he's the one guy you want away on French cap. He's the best player in the team, best player in the world, but you've still got to play against him on a carpet, in perfect conditions, in Paris, with 22 degrees. It's not what you want. And he was he was ridiculous. Again, just so good. Right, we'll get our guest on. Mainly chat about the Six Nations very shortly. But first, let's find out what your meter moment of the week is, Johnny. It has to be Montpellier, mate. I mean, we've just mm. talked about it, but the fact that they're still there, battling away, not imploding, everything looking happier, rosier. I caught up with a couple of boys actually yesterday. They were down at one of the beach bars. Um, of course they were. Um, but just a better place to be. The fact they're closing that gap. They've got a fixture list coming up ahead that is more favourable than likes of Oyo and Perpignan. So, better place to be. Big win against Poe. They didn't get a bonus point, but delighted to see them dusting themselves down and trying to march their way back up the table. Do you see them at the beach bar when they lose or is that only when they win? You asked me to throw them under the bus, man. <laughs> I think sometimes when you lose, you need nights of cohesion or, you know, of course. you need to be brought yeah. back together. So, I mean, is there any time you don't go to the beach bar? I mean, Enough said. Yeah. There we go. That was Johnny's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can get 10% off any full-price item. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD10, and you get 10% off any full-price item at meter.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let's get our guest on now then and start looking ahead to France Island, a massive game on Friday night in Marseille. And we've got the perfect man to help us do it. Irish-born, former France under-20 captain, Danny Brennan joins us. How are you doing? How are you, lads? How are you keeping today? We are good. We will come on to the Six Nations and the massive game I mentioned shortly. But let's have a chat about you first. I feel like we should start by apologising, really. We've had your dad on. We've had your brother on. No. It's taken us ages to get you on. So have we saved the best or last? I think it's have, lads. I can't believe I was last, though. I thought I was going to be first. Johnny kept texting me, and, you know, I saw Trev get on and Lanzarote. Josh has, you know, I forgot about me, you know, so um, nah, happy to be with you today, lads, you know. I'd say I'm the more interesting, Brennan, so. Most interesting. You're not the youngest, though. There's another one that might pop, and we've still got Bobby, and he's meant to be a real character. He's in the Toulouse Academy. So how is he getting on? He's actually doing pretty well, yeah. He's, um, last year they made the final with his team. Unfortunately, they lost. So, uh, yeah, up and coming. I, I think he's going to play second round now because he's a... Uh, He's a bit of an in-between, Josh and myself. He's he's a bit bulky like me, but he's you know he's a bit taller than me already. He's only sixteen. He's he looks like a fridge. So uh, yeah, big boy. Hopefully he has a bright future if he works hard. And how are you, mate? Because it's been a bit of an injury ravaged year between a calf problem in pre-season, a broken foot earlier in the season, and then yeah. a burst bicep tendon. So it's been a tough grind. But how is the bicep? Be honest. Does it look like your mum's? How bad is it? Oh, it's fucking atrocious. It's fucking tiny. They weren't that big before I got injured. And fucking now, I can't even look myself in the mirror anymore. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> nah, now, in fairness, now, it's been a tough year. You know, sometimes um had a small uh, ankle injury at the start of the year. Kept on playing with it, you know. You know, the couple of, couple of jabs before the games, this and that. But, um, you know, uh, I, I think your body just gives you a couple of warnings at the end of the day, you know. Uh, won't you, when you, when you keep trying to push the limit back, you know, your body just sends out warnings and say, you know, he gives you a break, you know. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, that happens in a sport. Happened to me a couple of years ago as well. Happens to, to a lot of people, you know. So, uh, been out now for two months. Missed two months at the start of the season as well. Got a freak accident, fractured my foot. Someone's boots went through my, my foot. 
Oh, so I just thought I got stamped on, you know, foot's always sore and I uh, ended up playing, play, played to half time, took my boot off and, you know, proper cut and, you know, open fracture on my foot. So, uh, yeah. Oh. C'est la vie. C'est la vie. Well, hopefully we'll see you back very soon. But how are things generally at Brief? Because Johnny talks about it all the time. Pro de deux is a grind, isn't it? Well, listen, it's my first year ever playing Pro de deux. You know, you'd always, you know, look at it and you'd see maybe it's a bit of a slower game than top 14 but the physical impacts are immense you know you have these big island boys you got even more of them you got uh, a lot of Georgian boys you know maybe there's a bit less skill but the physicality going in there is ridiculous and you know um, I think uh, Breve at the start of the year maybe a couple of boys thought it was going to be a, a bit of a pushover and uh, you know I think we uh, we learned that the hard way. Unfortunately, you know, we uh, I think we're twelfth or fourteenth in the table. You know, four games in. Yeah, unfortunately, very bad start of the season for us. Thankfully, we're coming back now. But uh, yeah, it was a wake up call. Mate, I've always looked at Prodeu. I think I spent two years in Prodeu, and again, you touched on the physicality. But I also thought if you're a tight five youngster. I mean, there's no hiding spot. Like it is physical, as you mentioned, the physicality, but also technically. Like you often get props that are maybe specialist scrummagers, but don't quite have the aerobic ability to play in the top 14. But they can scrummage. Like some of the boys you come up against in that league are gnarly. So, like, how have you found that experience as well? I know it's only been a few games, but doing your analysis and looking around the league, there are well, loads of tough nuggets as well. Yes, you know. I've been told that before before the, the season that, you know, we yeah, probably do. Scrum's going to be really tough. Honestly, I'm playing with Marcel van der Merv, so Scrum's easy. All you ought to do is... <laughs> he says, like, just you you hold your own and I'll look after the rest. So, uh, yeah, luckily Big Mars is in there and, you know, he's just he just tears people in half. He's ridiculous. You know, last year in uh, in Top 14, we had a good Scrum with Brief. We're actually not that bad. Uh, this year, we, have, we had a really good Scrum. I think we still have really good scrum. We have a couple of good players, even the young boys coming up. Yeah, I think people don't like playing against us. But uh, but there's definitely, a, there's definitely a couple of big scrums out there, a couple of big boys. But, you know, as you were saying earlier on, in top 14 last year, you were still coming up against Ben Tamifuna, uh, Winnie Antonio. You don't have them guys in probably do, though. You know, you're kind of get, you're next, uh, feeling a bit better the next day because them guys are ridiculous. Mate, the scary thing is that that's where Winnie Antonio started. He came over to play in La Rochelle in Pro des Deux. That's the freaky thing. And now he's the starting tide for the French side. Absolute freak yeah. show. Looking back at next year, at last year, sorry. So, like you had, there's a bit of a swap between Cast and Breve with the coaching staff. So, last year you had Jeremy Davidson. This year, Pierre Henri Broncan has come in. So, like, what's the difference between the two fellas that you've seen? I think it's two different styles of management, really. Now, uh, you know, I had Jeremy for a couple of years. He had a, you know, very, uh, Irish British way of uh, of training, you know, with a lot of discipline, a lot of order. Uh, I think actually Pierre has that as well because he he trained at bat for a couple of years, so he, he's kind of he kind of has that, you know, discipline, know your role very well. Uh, you know, sometimes when you have French coaches, they just say you know have a bit of French flair, you have a game plan, but if you go out of the game plan, with Pierre he's kind of he knows what he wants and he's trying to get you know the players to to to, to just buy into that. But uh, I have to say, it's definitely been been a bit of a weird, weird couple of a weird year. You know, got three different trainers in one year. It actually happened to me already in Montpellier. That was mad. But you know, you're kind of you're kind of expecting that from Montpellier now. It's yeah. it's just like you know, uh, 
Yeah, I just think I just think yeah, unfortunately in Montpellier, you know, it will, will always be like that. But in Brieve, it was a bit surprising. But um, you know, I think it's for the better now. I think Pierre is doing a great job. Like you know, the results speak for themselves. I think we've won uh six of the last eight games. So um, you can only give the guy credit and just say you know, follow follow his steps. You know, he'll lead the way. Speaking of the British influence, have you seen Courtney Laws knocking around the training ground? Is he on his way in? The word in the media is that he's signed. So. You know, I actually saw that on Twitter today. Uh, I haven't got the slightest of clues. I know he was. <laughs> I know he was in the club. Yeah, a hundred percent. But I'd say, um, I'd say he visited a couple of clubs. You know, I think. Uh, I think he'd be a great addition to the team. Like he had a fantastic World Cup last year. I thought he was probably the best English player in my opinion. So um, yeah, ho- hopefully he does come to us. You know, have a, have a superstar second row. You know, he'd probably be pushing behind me as well. So I'd be delighted. So you'll take him. I mean, last time I saw you, you were in the bar in Breve. I was there on holiday, but I was there in Lizal with my family. You were knocking around with Patrice Colazzo. It was Ross Moriarty. Yeah. Courtney Laws as an addition. Like you go through that pack yourself at Loosehead, Van der Merv, Tighthead, Courtney Laws, Ross Moriarty. Like that's some team you're putting together. No, it's definitely, definitely a good team coming together, you know. And, you know, there's a couple of young French boys up and coming as well. Like Loan Laverne, I haven't seen him a lot, but he's like, I think he's going to be world class. You got Sasha Gay, who's played, you know, I think he's a, a line out captain as well, young French guy. And there's like, you know, uh, Warren Rabuni, um, the Fijian Australian. Uh, no one heard of him before he got to breathe, but he's an absolute machine. He can run like, he can run the, the 100 meters in like sub 11. That's how fast he is. He scored some ridiculous tries for us. Playing against Rouen, you know, to go play in Rouen, horrible, freezing cold, 88 minutes, scored an 80 meter try by himself, you know, to win us the game. World class players, you know. Hopefully, hopefully it does click, you know, but you know yourself, John, you've been in Montpellier. It's not all about the players, it's about building team spirit as well. But I think Breve do have a good thing going in that sense, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a family club where it's, it's really important to, you know, um, have a, a band of brothers at the end of the day, you know. That's why I think the start of the season was pretty tough. There was a lot of uh, departures last year due due to the to the relegation. So we lost a couple of good boys that um and you know it takes time I guess uh, to build something back again. How would you look back at your time at these different clubs? Because it, it's strange for us. We're trying to articulate and to describe the people who speak in English who maybe. Lead- don't get to work or see the insides of how these clubs work. But how would you try and describe the differences between Toulouse, Montpellier and Breve in terms of the structures, the people, the setup, the feeling when you're in the club? Because it's quite hard to put your finger on. And you said there, you know yourself, Johnny, like I've been there. It's a completely different working environment, very up and down. But how would you try and describe or give people the best sort of image of Toulouse, Montpellier and Breve as rugby clubs and what they're like to be at? Listen, Toulouse... I grew up in Toulouse. That was kind of my dream to play for Toulouse, watching my father play. Uh, growing up, you know, following him training training sessions. Well, I got to play my first professional game with Toulouse with like Ryan Fritz, Johan Maestri, you know, people who play with my old lad. So um, that was special. And I think in Toulouse, they, they have a bit of everything. Like they know the role very well. They have a game plan. But there's just something magical about Toulouse. They can just, just a piece of magic that that isn't anywhere else, you know. You, you could see it at the weekend. They just, they, they just bet racing, you know, racing having lost many games this year. 
I think they haven't lost at home this year. That's the first loss. They just have something special about them. I, I don't know what it is. Everyone who comes to Toulouse seems to play well. Cheslin Colby a couple of years ago, great player, wasn't an international, came to Toulouse. He's just, you know, he, his career skyrocketed. Reiner Elstad, who not, no one really know, you know, had a great career in South Africa, just came here, skyrocketed, unreal. Kinghorn shows up. He's just had a couple, what, is it five games in now? Six? He could have been man the match on nearly every single one of them. So um, I think there's something special about Toulouse. It's the environment. It's the culture there is behind it. Uh, they like keeping all players around, you know, to to show uh, to show the way as well, you know. Then you have what well, you have Montpellier. Mont- Montpellier was a tough couple of years for me. Now I have to say, I uh, got a knee operation, tore my hammy off the bone, so it wasn't the best. When you're a 19 year old living by yourself away from the family first time and you know you get all that happening to you you know you, you got to grow up quickly in your head you know there's no time for um for you know a, a second guessing I guess so um and I feel like it wasn't the best club for me when that happened to me you know support was I was lucky enough to have a couple of guys like Bismarck Duplessis who was really good with me but I'd say yeah if he wasn't around it would have been a worse couple of years for me thank god now I actually ended up in brief because uh yeah it's it, I'm in a happy place now, and I think that's that's very important. And obviously, Toulouse, you mentioned there's something special about the atmosphere around the club, just everything to do with it. The production line of young talent, including yourself, is insane. And you would have been coming through alongside, I guess, guys like Roman Enterback. Oh, well, he was unreal. Just easy to play with him, you know. And um, I could just I could name so many players who don't actually play for Toulouse anymore who are unreal, like Remy Baget. <laughs> the spy. No, but he was in my team in, in, in the in the youth years in uh in Toulouse. Just unreal. Who is like there's just so many and they just produce so much talent. And they can't keep everyone because there's not enough room for everyone. And you know that's the thing. when you're the best at like making good players, you know, you just you can't keep everyone. Unfortunately you only keep the best, you know. In Toulouse you, you look up to your peers and you just you do your best to become the best, you know? And that's that's the culture, I just guess, around it. And, you know, you have all players like Michel Marfang, who's the skill coach for the for the youths. I don't know if everyone would know Michel Marfang, but he was, yeah. you know, French legend. And, you know, uh, Emile Entomac was uh, was there. When I was there, you had, um, oh, what's his name, Philippe Brugge-Thomas. And you'd always have guys coming in to do some skills coaching. I had Xavier Garbajosa training me when I was eight to do like, you know, two against ones. Uh, Michelle, uh, who else was there? David Gerard. You know, just everyone will come back and will come train, you know, all the young boys. And that's that's the Toulouse culture. They always try and do that. So uh, that's why I think it's it's also a special club. It's interesting that you mentioned Remy Baggi, because I played with Labage at Bayonne. And yeah. he was a guy who, when he came, we were like, he doesn't look like much. And then ah. he just can't stop scoring try. He kind of like... He kind of runs like a duck. We called him the spy because we were like, he doesn't look like a rugby player. And then you put a rugby ball in his hands Magic. and he just makes shit happen. He's a freak show and he's off now to the cast and signed a massive contract. So we love Remy. And you mentioned Xavier Garbajosa as well. I was commentating on a game maybe three weekends ago and chatting with him and he was just saying, Toulouse for him will always be the holy grail of French rugby. And I think a lot of people look at it that way and you mentioned that you can't have everyone you can't retain everyone because there isn't the space and they don't have the budget but I'm wondering like we're talking about Brieve and Montpellier and you leaving as a youngster would would the holy grail for you to go away 
get some experience, develop yourself, and then finish back in Toulouse. Would that be the dream for you? Yeah, it would be the dream. I, you know, yeah, you have a like. I made a mistake. I think leaving um, from Montpellier. You know, it's just big, big offer. Vern Carter was the coach, and you know, we had a really good field together. Unfortunately, Vern got the sack, and uh, you know, uh, when you're with a coach, didn't necessarily want you. Uh, it's just different. So, um, you know, but every time I go back to Toulouse, it's still home. I go to the stadium to watch Josh play the odd time. And, you know, when I see all the pappies there, you know, it's, it's, it's as if I never left. But um, but definitely my dream would be maybe one day, you know, to just play one game at NS Vallon because I've, I've never played a professional game there with a Toulouse jersey. I played there a couple of times against them. Never won. <laughs> but... Um, that's life, you know, life, you can't regret in life. You, you make some decisions and um, and you just got, got to go all the way after that. But uh, definitely, if I, if I did get an opportunity to go back to Toulouse, I would. Good memories back there and also international level. You captain France at under-20 level, we mentioned, won the under-20 title. What was that side like? Yeah, that was amazing. That was amazing. We we, uh, we won the Six Nations uh, and we actually played mostly in France. Um, and that was just amazing. I remember us just winning the Six Nations. It was like one week of partying after that. And, you know, we came home and, you know, it was special because the last time the French won something at under-20 level was too long ago. And then we just went into this World Cup just thinking, you know, we probably do have a shot, lads. Like, you know, let's just give it a shot, you know. And um, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, just play game by game. I do remember a memory, though. We, we, we played against Ireland. Played an atrocious game. Roman Tomac scored a try. You know, we won the game at the end, 23-22, I think it was. Then played against Georgia and we were we were brutal. We just won, like, you know, maybe 20 to 15. So the coach pulls us in, he says, you know, lads, we're going to a beach club at uh, at Lucat. And this is a true story. So we went to the Lucat and he just said, Listen, boys, it's open bar, you know. Is he fucking for real here? Is this a test or something? So then we started drinking one point, two points, three points, and just everyone starts chatting away, you know. And uh, we, we get together a bit, and he pulls us in. He says, Listen, boys, it's this simple playing against South Africa in two days' time. Either we lose and we're like everyone else, and that's it, or do we win and we can start something special. So, you know, ended up drinking like, I don't know, 20 points each, and everyone was, you know, crying and. Telling, telling stories, you know, memories and this and that. And we ended up beating South Africa by like 60 points. Like I remember it was crazy. And then we went we went on to play the All Blacks and then the rest was history, you know. So, uh, but that was a great memory. I think Seb Piccaroni was a special human manager. I think that's why he's doing so well with Paul because he doesn't have the best team, but he just, he gets the best out of the players. And that's, that's you know, I was lucky enough to have him growing up because um, in the French system, you have a system of Bolesport. It's like uh, school academies where you take like between six and 10 of the best players of your region. And he was our um, our academy fella. So uh, lucky to have spent a, a lot of time with him. He was really good. If in doubt, head to the beach bar. It's like, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Uh, it's good fun. But of course it is. But that's what brings people together. People now are so caught up in the ultra high performance professional can't have fun that's why you had like with Gregor Townsend and Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg they had that big clash a year and yes. a half ago now now it's all rosy and everyone's back together and happy but 
you can't be old school team bonding. I know it sounds silly to other people that don't understand it, but unless you've had a couple of beers and you get to know each other and it's just a kind of coldness about it. Whereas when you have friendship groups and team bonding, like you go so much further. And like, that was the start, like your age group. Now you look at all those boys and what they're doing. They're gifted, talented athletes, but they work hard and they've gone on to get many caps and they're absolutely flying in the French team. So it must be real pleasing for you as well to have come through as part of a generation with so many great individuals that are now killing it for the French team. Yeah, I'm delighted, you know. I was actually like, I grew up with Rob, man, because uh, our old lads played together. So um, to see him do so well, you know, it's um, like every time you see him, you know, you feel special and you're happy. You know, a win for him is a win for us, you know, at the end of the day. So um, when someone you, you, you love plays well, you're happy, you know. I was gutted for him when, uh, when he got injured before the World Cup. You know, rugby's quite unfair sometimes, you know. You get injuries at the the worst moments, but I know he'll come back strong. Just before we move on from that world under-20 title win, was it a bit mad at the time? Because I remember the interview you did, and obviously you speak the way you speak. It wasn't like you said anything particularly groundbreaking, oh, yeah. but all of a sudden it blew up because there's the France captain speaking in an Irish accent. Yeah, no, actually it went viral. It went viral. I remember actually arriving to Montpellier, he said, and the man in Adolo, who was in Australia, I think, going, I fucking saw that interview, mate. Like, you know, it just went everywhere. But that was a hectic month after that win, you know. It, it was actually special for all the French people. Like we got we got invited to the um, to the president's uh, house with uh well not the Elise house, you know, the the Elysee with uh with the football team when they won it. So it was just like crazy, like Surreal. What happened after that month was surreal. I think I put on like five kilos. And the rest. Beers and drinks and, you know, the rest. That was a tough pre-season to lose all that after that. Yeah. <laughs> and just one more guy who was in that. It was Cameron Wockey was in that side as well. Because he always flagged as a future star. Actually, you know, flag as a future star, I don't think so. I think he did very well. But I don't think he was noted as like the best of the best when um, we were coming through. I'd say, you know, you could see like guys like Roman Mac was just unreal. Like I'd say Clément Laporte was uh, noted as a future superstar, you know. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just it's a game of inches. You know, sometimes an injury at the right, at the wrong moment, you got to take your opportunity. Cameron with Bordeaux was absolutely immense. So that's what gave him such a big career. I think he's doing very well. And uh, I think he's still striving for France. Hopefully he'll start the, the first game against Ireland. I think he has a bit of a uh, concurrence, as we'd say in, in France, because uh, they brought Gabriel back. But, you know, if he's if he's on his best day, he's absolutely immense. I mean, you've teed it up nicely. But before we look ahead to this game on Friday, which is absolutely massive, there's one boy I want to ask you about as well. Because coming through an academy like Toulouse, the factory, and getting to learn from somebody like Cyril Bai, who'll probably start, on Friday night, what was Serial Bai like to work with, to learn from? He's just someone who's so gentle and humble. You know the the story about take the disc off when you're off the pitch. That's exactly what he does. Once he's off the pitch, he's just such a nice guy. Does his best for young kids. He like he's very good mates with my little brother Josh. You know, and they like they have nearly ten year difference. You know, but he looks after him. He got him a birthday present. You know, he's that kind of guy, you know. He'd go out with all the young boys, he'd splash out a couple of bottles because, you know, the young lads don't have any cash. You know, he's that kind of guy. Really nice fella. And then once he's on the pitch, he works hard. Great ball carrier, great scrummager. 
I actually reckon maybe last year he was in the top loose heads in the whole world, if not the best. So, you know, I'd say two words to describe him would be humble and just, you know, very nice guy. So let's talk about Friday night then. Obviously, we can chat about where it's going to be won and lost. What do you think? But the key battle, obviously, we're talking about it already, the front row. So yeah. you got Cyril by, you got Johnny mentioned him earlier, the giant Winnie Antonio, we assume they're both going to start. And then you got Porter and Furlong. So like, how do you, how do you see that matchup going? I'd say it's going to be pretty even. But, um, you know, Porter is an unreal athlete. I think he's like the best loose head athlete in the whole world. You know, I saw him on the Six Nations documentary, you know. He's been through a lot, you know, so so that gives him that extra edge, you know. Once you when you've been through something, you just mentally you become stronger. So um I'd say once uh, the shit hits the fan, I'd say he he's gonna be immense. So uh, if it is a tight game, I'd say he's gonna be a player that's gonna do well for Ireland and help them, you know, get out of that danger zone if if there is a danger zone. Another key man that's been brought back for France is Winnie Antonio. And most of us thought he was retiring alongside Roman Taufinua after the World Cup. The fact that he's been brought back, does that mean that there's maybe a lack of a stock of tight heads currently for the French team? Or is it just that he's enormous and he is just such a big piece of adding stability to the French side at the minute that they had to ask him back? I, th- I, th- I think it was too early to, to you know, uh, get some young guys in. But I actually do think at tight head, France have lot of players up and coming, like just Colomb, Polarichel, Demba Bamba. Uh, you still have Dorian Aldegheri. And I get, got a couple of young guys from Tatafu, who's uh, playing really well for Bayonne. He's a monster. He's just a big, big, big boy. Very strong. But, you know, you got a lot of depth, but I think, you know, no one has Weenie's experience at international level. The guy weighs 150 kilos, but can run for like 50, 60 minutes and make 20 carries. So... You can't build that, you know. That comes with time, experience, you know, positioning. And I just think for France, it was too early after a disappointing World Cup to to put some new guys in, you know. I think France won a result. And, um, you know, they need to go and try and get this win for the Six Nations just to get their confidence back. You and Johnny have both referenced coming up against a guy like Winnie Antonio in the top 14 and how just the sheer size of the man is is difficult to let alone his technique and, and everything that he has about him. You're someone who's played tight head and now plays loose head. Like, wh- how how does that change come about? And it must be the hardest thing in rugby to do pretty much, wasn't it? I believe it or not, actually, tight head is the hardest position in rugby, you know? And um, when, I was, when I was young, playing against all the young lads under 20s, you know, we just be destroying lads, but once you hit the professional deck and you're playing against guys with a lot more experience, a lot stronger, bigger second rows, I guess it was tough for me to, you know, to to adapt. I wasn't doing too well at scrum time. So um, one day Jeremy Davison goes to me, uh, do you want to try and give it a go loose head? So he gave me a shot against, uh, I think it was Leicester, Leicester, Leicester Tigers. Easy, off you go, mate. Just fucking threw me in there. But anyway... Just went really well, you know. And after that, he said, "Like, listen, I'll give you another shot of loose head." So, and just you know, end up being that was, you know, that was it. Just went from tie head to loose head, you know. Played three or four good games, took my shot, you know, because there was an injury, and you know, never turned back after that. I, I think it's a position where I just feel it just it's just easier in the scrum. I'd say I feel more confident. So, and since I'm confident in the scrum, I just get to do more around the park after that. I can just worry about ball carrying, making my tackles. 
because I know the scrum's going to be okay. Before, when I was playing tie head, I was so worried about the scrum. I was just trying to not get tired, you know, just in case the next scrum came, you know. So um, for me, it was the best decision of my life just to go back to loose head, you know. I feel much more confident now and uh, much stronger. Andrew Porter made the same same move as well, didn't he? Before it is in his career, he was a tight head early. It's funny how it works out. Sometimes you just get a shot and and it works out like that. That's it. That's it. Sometimes you know you just got one opportunity, you just sees it, and uh, and you know that's it. The rest is history. Now you're there. You're absolutely flying. It's been class to watch you after you move. And we speak about change a lot, whether it's positional or teams moving on, should Antonio stay. There's going to be two boys that are going to be missing this weekend. You've played with one of them. Antoine Dupont, who'll be away with Sivens. Johnny yeah. Sexton, now retired. Like, Who do you think is more of a loss? You know, I was actually, I was just thinking of that. It's it's weird because I reckon these guys are the two best teams in the Six Nations, but Ireland don't have a number 10 anymore. They don't have their number 10 anymore. So uh, is it is Byrne going to step up? Is Crowley going to get a shot? So you're not sure yet. You know, it's, it's it's the beginning of a new era. And then France, they're missing the superstar number nine. Uh, sadly, Jolange got injured again. That's going to be a big loss. Everyone was excited about seeing Manny Meafu. He's out as well for six weeks. Probably won't even play any game in the Six Nations. So I'd say there's just as many missing people in each team. So, um, But I do think Ireland without Sexton is not the same team. Just Sexton is so special. Just, you know, he just gets everyone going. He's a, a true competitor. I think uh, leads by example. Great kicker. It had to come to an end at one stage. So just it's the beginning of a new era. But just who's going to take over the... Who's going to take over? I don't know yet. Well, that's my next question, mate. I'm going to ask you, <laughs> where do you think this game is going to be won and lost. It's different for the French boys as well, right? Because it's not at the start of France. Yeah. It's in the south of France, which is pretty cool. We saw during the World Cup an amazing venue. Yes, lovely. But where do you think this game is going to be won and lost on Friday night? I'll have to go with up front, to be honest. I reckon, um, you know, people say it a lot, but I think it is the truth. Games are won up front. If you're doing well up front, your back line can be special. If you're getting destroyed up front, your back line won't do anything. You know, that's the truth. I think both teams have incredible back lines, special talent, key players with X Factor. But it'll be coming up against two of the best scrums, two of the best lineouts. So it'll come to who's the most precise, who did his homework the best. I said the kicking game is going to be important as well. You know, we could see at the World Cups in Africa. Just at the end of the day, if you have a good kicker, you're disciplined, that wins games at the end of the day. So um I would say no scrum, no win. Whoever does well in the scrum is gonna is gonna win the game. Then you know the French have Tom Ramos, so he's probably not gonna miss any kicks. Yeah, I'd say I'd say it's gonna be a close game. I'd say closer than last year. Johnny, that is the exact answer you were expecting, yeah. In the front row. That's what of course that's where it's gonna be front row one and lost. Of course. We're talking about we're talking about Sexton. It's interesting. Obviously, an easy line to throw out there, which I'm sure will be in the media is Johnny Sexton's not there anymore. Obviously, that changes things for how France will approach it. Say it's Jack Crowley coming in. You target him. He's inexperienced. Obviously, he's doing very well. He's a good good player. But it, it, that's that's such a throwaway line. For someone who's in that professional environment, how much will that be spoken about in terms of Crowley's lack of experience and how you might be able to exploit that compared to a Sexton? I know there's one thing that's going to come down his channel is a Jonathan Dante that's going to test him out. <laughs> that's going to be the first thing that he's going to get is... 
like you think of the other tens in the Six Nations competition, right? Roman is solid defensively. It was Owen Farrell, no longer in a 10 jersey or a 12 jersey. That was solid. Johnny Sexton was solid defensively as well. You didn't get much change going down his channel. Whereas now, whoever steps up is lighter and they're going to get charged. The first thing that's going to happen, Fabian Galti will be like, right, Joe Dante, Fiku, whoever it is, Damian Penno, whoever's like, get down there and get me go forward. That's going to be the first test and he knows it's coming. And that's where Marseille, hostile environment Friday night, it's not going to be easy for any 10 coming into a green jersey. So yeah, really looking forward to see how that pans out. Yeah, I thought he did really well in the European Cup against Toulon. Though in them couple of games, you know, they Toulon have a big, big, big back line, you know, and um, I thought he stepped up well to the mark and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he's he's Irish, so he's not afraid to tackle someone, I can, I can, say, <laughs> I can tell you that. But uh, no, hopefully he does do well now because, you know, I, I, I know it's tough when you step up after someone who's, been so immense for your country and uh, you know you, you kind of have to try and get out of that shadow but um, hopefully for him he does really well Before we get into like the predictions because that's going to be the final bit it's a bit more about like Danny that I want to know because like obviously your dad's scenario of coming to France and like having some kids back home some kids here is kind of what my family's done and my son now is French He's he doesn't want to know about Scotland he's like dad it rains there shit I've got no interest Um <laughs> I took him to watch the warm-up test before the World Cup. Scotland played France at Murrayfield and Scotland won. And he cried because he wanted France to win that much. Like he's he's gone. Um, but I wanted to ask you, we talk about finishing at Toulouse. We talk about sometimes split lo- loyalties or not. Like, would you, we mentioned the volatility of Montpellier and different clubs, you're happy and brief, but would you ever fancy a stint? Have you been offered a stint by the Irish Federation? Would you like to go back and play for one of the provinces back in Ireland as a test? Or are you are you happy, settled, don't want to look at that? And then the next question is, are there any sort of sense of split loyalties when you're, I'm guessing you're two countries that you love and you follow are France and Ireland. I have been offered a contract a couple of years ago to go play for Munster. I think it was 2016. Declined it because I was only like 17 years old. You know, I still had the 220 years coming up and I didn't want to let that down. I was just, you know, all I wanted to, to do was play for France. Uh, last year I got a phone call as well at the end of the season but um, couldn't get out of my contract with Brief didn't really want to leave as well because you know it was a, it was a one year deal or maybe a couple of months joker and I had a three year deal in Brief and you know as I was saying I was really happy and I didn't feel like it was the moment for me to leave because I hate jumping ship when the ship is you know is, a, is going down you know and I felt like a lot of guys last year you know jumped ship you know and um that's not the kind of guy I am, but um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be against going back to Ireland and giving it a shot in a, in a couple of years. You know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of work to be done before that happens. But uh, but I wouldn't be against it now. If I had an opportunity now, I'd definitely take it into consideration, hundred percent. And I guess that being said, I'm not sure what you're going to answer to this one, but like that dream of playing for the French team of of growing. I know you're born back in Ireland, but of growing up here. And my kids are sort of on a similar journey, but the world now is such a small place and you have such proud roots in Ireland and your father represented the country. So if you were to end up back at a Munster or Leinster, an opportunity then arose to play international rugby for Ireland, would you look at that as well? Well, I have to say, yeah, you know, as a as a competitor, you know, you just want to play at the top level. That's the truth. So, um, you know, I'm very proud of my Irish heritage. I've always said it, you know, I go back to Ireland twice a year to see my grandmother and my uncles 
my aunties, you know, and um, and you know, but you know, I did I did play rugby in France, grew up in France, started playing rugby in France. You know, when I see all my friends, you know, Movaka, Romain Tamak, I've played with Jali Bear, I've played with everyone pretty much. You know, that's why it feels for more familiar for me to want to play for France because you just want to play with your mates. You know, I've never played with anyone in Ireland. I don't know. You know. I don't pretty much don't know anyone, so it, you know it's kind of a different feeling, I guess. But it doesn't take away the fact that I'm a very proud Irish man as well. But I'm also a very proud adopted French man. You know, France have been really good to me. They've been really good to my family. You know, Josh, Josh has played for France as well, captained them. So um, yeah, it won't take away. It's a tough question to answer. You know. You want to, you want to, you want to say both, but you can't say both. <laughs> you, you can, so, yeah. You're, you can, you're, yeah. In, you're in a unique position that you can, and like I would expect the same response from my boy, in that your dad's Scottish. Well, for him, his dad's Scottish, his whole family's Scottish, um, but he was born here. Like all yeah. he wants to wear is his cast jersey. He was born in cast. All he wants to wear is his cast jersey and his French jersey. All he wants to do at the minute is play for France. It's incredible, but he's in a lucky position and that he has the choice of both. If either were ever to open, I'd be absolutely delighted for him to play for either country or anything or do anything he wanted. The same way I imagine your dad would be with all of you boys. Um, so that no, it's cool. That, that presumably means, given your closeness with some of the players involved, you support in France on Friday night. Yeah, I have to say that. Sadly, I'm supporting France. Nah, I have to say, you know, look, you're supporting your mates at the end of the day, you know? So uh, these are guys who, you know, text me the odd time, uh, you know, we, we know, we, we go out have meals together when uh when we get the chance to. So um you know and with some of these guys I was, you know, again, world champion with France and under twenties level. So you know we uh we build a bond together. So um you know it's a friendship bond that you know you, you can't take away. So uh you want to just see them guys do well. So if they can go ahead and you know win another six nations, I'd be more than happy, you know, for them. You've seen it perfectly. Prediction time. Johnny you can go first and then we'll get Danny's in a minute. Mate, last time I was down in Marseille for a French game, it was Namibia. They smashed them by 60, 70, 80 points, but it was the atmosphere that was incredible. The noise of that place, the feel, the French fans in the south, which is a real treat because they're used to being having to trot up to Paris, which nobody really enjoys that much because in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it was just yeah. a hostile place to go, like really aggressive, animated crowd. So... I think that in itself is going to be really hard for the Irish boys who I know they're super professionals and number one team in the world and they've been phenomenal. But I think if France get hold of the ball and pressurise Ireland, they've got the power to do them over, to run over them, to get round them. They're well enough organised through them, round them, over them. And I think they'll create opportunities and finish them off. So um, I don't think it's going to be a smashing. I don't think they're going to beat them by 15 points, but I think they will win the game. They'll have enough in the tank to win by five to eight points. Uh, listen, last year I thought France were going to win, uh, honestly. And uh, they ended up losing by, what, 15 points? In Dub that was in Dublin, though. Yeah. But, um, yeah, both, both teams are missing key players. So it's anyone's game. And you know yourself, a game of rugby, anyone can win. So, um, but I have to go with France as well. Home, uh, home advantage after, you know, finishing the World Cup where they're probably not happy with the results they got. I'm very disappointed, I guess. I, I, I see them, you know, doing their best to get a win. And, you know, as you were saying earlier on, this could be the last Six Nations for the likes of Winnie Antonio, uh, Romain Taufinois, 
So you know they'll have it in mind to do the best and uh, and to hopefully bring back uh, bring back a trophy. So um, yeah, I have to go with France, but I'd say it's going to be a really tight game. Last minute kick, something crazy like that. Just before we let you go, Danny, I'm going to get Johnny to do his prediction for the whole Six Nations of the table because I love this because he's got to talk about Scotland now and rank them somewhere. So we'll, we'll keep you on just for this. See whether you agree or disagree, and then we'll let you go. One to six, Johnny. Presumably, you both think France are going to win that opening game. So, do you both think they're going to win a Grand Slam if they do? Is is the French game against Scotland in Murrayfield? It is, yeah. That one's going to be tough because um, Ash thinks Scotland are building up. You know. Oh, I thought <laughs> we're going to build them up. Again. We're going to build them up again. I'm so used yeah, to this. We build them up and then shit. And then they just fucking blow up. But in fairness <laughs> to them now, uh, they did not. They did lose the two uh, against like France and Ireland last time, which were the two best teams in the world at that moment. You yeah. know, so uh, and I thought they played really well in both of them. All joking aside, Johnny, you're right, Danny. They're the two games they lost in last year's Six Nations at the World Cup. You cannot be drawn alongside Ireland and South Africa. So for most people, Scotland are their third choice side behind that top two, Johnny. Mate, that's what I've got written down so far. I've got <laughs> France one, Ireland two, Scotland three. I'm going to go, I mean, England have been desperate, but they can only get better, surely. Uh, I'm going to go England four, Wales in fifth, and Italy with the wooden spoon. But for Scotland, everything rides on their opening game down in Cardiff at the weekend. Um, but I think France will win the competition. Ireland will come second. Scotland third. England fourth. Fifth is the Welsh. And Italy last. That's the same last year, isn't it? Yeah, that's the same, yeah. Would you Would you agree, Bren? Disagree? Change? Say England might win it. Ooh. Because they're just, they're just someone, you know, they're the kind of team who can end up winning everything. they got a special group of players as well. You know, they ended up in the semi-finals of the World Cup, you know. And they should have won it. So um, I'd say, uh, you know, hopefully it is in that, in that order, but you can never take, you know, your eye off the English because they can always come out with a special result. You know, England on a good day, uh, an immense team. You know, Marcus Smith is going to have the keys by himself this time. He won't have that pressure of having Owen Farrell behind him. So, uh, yeah, that could, be, that could be a surprise as well. And the same goes for Wales as well. So, you know. Warren Gatlin always has a couple of tricks up his sleeve. So it just, this is a crazy thing about the Six Nations. Anyone can win it. I've just changed mine. On the basis of what you said, I've just relegated <laughs> England to fifth and I've put Wales at fourth. <laughs> <laughs> the rugby they play, they don't deserve to finish any higher than fifth. There, said it. <laughs> Spoken like a true Scott. I like it. Um, no, always get it. With all the players they've got, they should be up. But if they keep kicking the ball away and playing anti rugby, they're finishing fifth. There we go. We will see. You always get slightly more unpredictable results the year after a World Cup as well. So we will see. And we will clip that up. You, Danny, saying England are going to win the Six Nations and we'll play it back to you in a couple of months' time. Say what it looks. Well, again, saying that, by the way, but fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Danny. Lovely to have you on. All right, lads. Take care. Thanks a lot. I hope the bingo wing heals up and I'll see you back on the fields in April, buddy. Hopefully. See you, lads. Take care. Cheers, pal. Cheers, Enjoy Danny. the game this weekend. I don't think he was wrong, was he, Johnny? We, did we save the, the best, Brennan, till last? Oh, we've still got Bobby. Bobby's <laughs> meant to be a character, mate. Um, and if Trevor's listening, I didn't mean that, Trevor. I promise. Yeah, you're going to be in trouble, mate. Um, <laughs> oh, no, mate, he's, he's a great boy. Great family. They're all great lads. Um, and yeah, great to have him join us. And it's another one as well. You can almost tell that he 
maybe slightly regrets that move away from Toulouse. So I hope he does get that move back one day, back to be with family, back to get that game in a black or red jersey at Ernest Vellon. Um, he's a good egg, great boy, and he's a tidy player as well. So I hope that it goes the way he wants and he makes his move back. Um, but great to have him on. We've already discussed Friday night. We've gone through where you think everyone's going to finish in the Six Nations. So should we finish off with a few rumours, Johnny? There's a few. There's a few sort of public spats about these as well. So we had at the start of last week, Paolo Garbisi to Toulon, and that was like a swap deal with Chris Tolafua going back the other way um, to Montpellier. That was sort of announced. Then we had Toulon saying, no, that's never happening. Public communication. We would never do that type of thing. Patrice Colazzo at Montpellier saying, this is surprising because we kind of agreed it in principle seven days ago, lads. Um, but that all looks like it's fallen apart now. Really weird how that's played out publicly. Love it. They have a soap opera. Oh, mate, it's been hilarious. you got Danny Perzo, who's looking at going from Toulon to Montpellier. Louis Carbonell, who everyone wants him to go back to Toulon, but he's been mentioned with a move to Stade Francais. Alex Moon from Northampton Saints, who has been trucking pretty hard with them, playing really well. He signed a two-year deal with Bayonne. Courtney Law's official, unofficial, but Brent said he saw him in Brief, so it might be official <laughs> um, down to Brief. Who else we got? We got Habel Kufner, maybe the back rower going from Stade Francais down to Bayonne as well. And we've got Yuan Tanga, maybe going from La Rochelle up to Stade Francais. So loads of sort of musical chairs and people trying to find their slots in the top 14, and I'm sure it won't be the end of it but some good ones nearly done. Hopefully we'll get something on Courtney Law's official and official from Brent official uh, sorted by <laughs> the end of the week. But it'd be great to see him in France as well. There we go. Can't wait to head to Marseille on Friday. Look forward to chatting about it next week and seeing whether you and Danny are right, Johnny. Fingers crossed, mate. Thanks, Johnny. Big thanks to Danny Brennan for joining us as well. Thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. Cheers, mate. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.